in a loft looking over rope maker's walk. My Nana's Nana used to sew all kinds of elegant costumes for these two madams, Dame Flora Lee and Lady Loftertop. Those fancy ladies were the ones who cooked up the idea for the Ethiopian ball. The Ethiopian ball was becoming the talk of Charleston. Some of the British people called it the Abyssinian ball. Ethiopia, Abyssinia, that's pretty much the same place. And the northeast of Africa, the land of Sheba, where many of my people claim they come from. Sometimes my Nana's Nana got to try on the costumes that she sold. My Nana told me that these dresses was as fine and colorful as anything she ever saw on a white woman. She said that Dame Flora Lee and Lady Loftertop wore these kind of things all year round. They were some proud peafowls, those two madams. It was February. The date of the Ethiopian ball was less than two weeks off. Dame Flora Lee and Lady Loftertop were taking inventory on the costumes for the ball and taking inventory on the girls who was to be wearing the costumes. God bless you, dear Lady Loftytop, but I am most definitely struck by how similar your estimative gradations of pulchritude liken into mine own. Comes with the trade, my dear. Rather akin to horse trading, I suppose you might say. After all, everything hinges on one's eye for quality, don't you know? That is, the special ability to assay blood and breeding and spot the apple's just right distance from the tree. I credit my ability to discern prime stock from my stints in Kingston and Dublin. And mine in Liverpool and New York. <laughs> Born of the household, shiny bits of brass. Quite heavy in the rigging. They are rounded in the ass. Sweet as treacle pudding. Eager as a hare. Irish nose and cheekbones. She'll make the bounder stare. Pick of the litter. Cream of the milk. Not a bit of cotton, only finest tilk. Right you are me, darling. We don't mean to bilk. So let them cock and grope. God damn, there's a filk. Ian walked a handsome black man with a face like the statue of an eagle. Wearing the white wig, red coat, and golden sleeves of a British Army sergeant. And of course, the tricorner. That's what the English call a three-cornered hat. You wouldn't think I'd know that, would you? <laughs> Gerald, my boy, how you have come up in the world. Or should I more properly say seem to have? Methinks I do detect the pungent scent of stable and swamp amid the swordly bouquet of pipe clay metal, boot polish, and tar. Not your boy no more, Mum. Not anyone else's. Oh, Gerald, you hard-hearted child, distressing your mother so. Just like your father who broke my heart and those of many other maidens again and again. He bought your freedom, did he not? Why, what a lovely array of delicacies. A fit mat for your fancy titles. Tell me, what's this Abyssinian feast business I hear you're up to, Mum? Oh, we are pleased that news of our grand affair has carried out into the deepest swamps, or into the barracks, 
Whichever it may be, Gerald, my boy. That's for me to know, and you are to keep guessing about. I'm not surprised that things get garbled a bit in reaching either one of those dismal crannies. Its accurate nomenclature is Ethiopian ball, if you please. In any event, I can assure you that it's going to be very much a proper ball, my boy, uh, man. If one might properly call a maroon that. You can ask your lovely charges here whether they'd prefer the close social company of a maroon or a sergeant on either side of this hopeless mess of a war. It is my heartfelt hope that they've never had such close dealings with such wild beasts of the forest as you and your colleagues have become, nor such a breaking of their hearts as when your father slithered off into the swamps. Say and think what you will, but all the same mark my words. The time will come when the word maroon will be the proudest badge a black man can wear in the testament of fighting for the freeing of his people. You, Gerald, are a product of being raised in the household of an all-too-permissive lord of the manor. Spare me the patronizing twaddle, you jumped-up doxy. <gasps> I've heard all this before. Where I and my comrades bed down these days is no business of yours. Excuse my motherly curiosity, Gerald, but how did you manage to acquire... The lobster back duds. Some of my chums served in Lord Dunmore's regiment for a while. These gaudy rags come in handy for moving around the city with minimal harassment from the Crown's lackeys. Be that as it may, my boy. Not your boy, neither. I'm willing to overlook your impertinence if you assure me that your presence portends no imminent discord or fray. Hey there, me old mum. What kind of lingo is she talking? Or you, for that matter. I remember when it sounded more like the Carolina Isles. Well, I admit it is something more like the King's English, although I've heard tell he talks German. So, what's all this fancy folder all about? And why did you send a note to us maroons? Plain and simple you want it, plain and simple it shall be. We just don't want any trouble at the ball. And yes, I know what you're going to ask. And the answer is yes, we can make it worth your while. And your friends to stay at home that night, or at least out of that part of Charleston. That's a reasonable arrangement, and it might be extended under the right circumstances. Does that mean your kind of reasonable or mine, and my friends? Well, a deal might be struck. I've seen your broadside. Quite nice, and quite a terrifying charging. Still, my friends aren't bandits. They aren't concerned about money like the rebels or the lime juicers. We just want to live free of their insults and trammels. Our usual terms, half now, half later. You might also pass the word that we have some need of strong, keen, young fellows like yourself. You know, former house servants who can read and cipher, looking to pick up a few quid. Rest easy. He's not come here to raise the banner of freedom or discord. He's soft on Lucy Lou. But hold the line at a hundred pounds. That's far more than his friends will expect, if indeed he shares it with them, if you catch my meaning. Whatever you're up to, you'd better understand that I, we, don't mean to truckle to those who toddy to the limey swells, or any kind of swells for that matter, including the rebels. Like I said, I and my brothers just want to live free.
Pleasure flies no banner, pleasure wears no crown. Those born into any manner are doomed to smile and frown. Finding way to milk the swells in their search for fun. Pleasant vision, lovely smells for Clinton or Washington. Pleasure has no borders, travels many ways. We're setting up a toll booth, not seeking any praise. That's as may be, ladies, but a simple lad like me, it appears that you are currying the favour of those in the saddle, even though there may be a change of riders ere long. At least these are gentlemen, and willing to set our people free, one might add. Free some of them, you mean? Only those held by the rebels. And free to do what? Keep doing the same old scut work for a pittance? You certainly were a slave in some fancy house, I'll wager, from the pitch of your gab. And can read and write, I trow. That's hardly a fair bet, Lucy Lou. You know full well that is true. Dame Flora Lee, it looks like your charges are more inclined to the rebels than the Tories. For all this chatter about freedom. Well, this one is, at least, as you well know. I doubt that he's found Lucy Lou all that easy to bridle. Or that he's going to. So, tell me, lovely Lucilo, what does my reading have to do with all this chatter? If you listened to the gossip when you were in the manor house, and read even a few snippets of the gazettes, you know full well of the tide that's rising against slavery in Britain. Everyone's heard of Justice Mansfield's decision and seen Lord Dunmore's Abyssinians. The day of jubilo's coming on, sure enough it is. Oh, yes, of course it is, but... Who hereabouts doesn't know that freeing slaves in Britain drove many southern planters to the rebel cause? And I suppose you've heard the slogan, Think me no man? What do you mean? It's a symbol used by white folks in Britain, working to end slavery throughout the empire. What's that supposed to mean then, Think me no man? They put it under a picture of a slave in chains on his knees, begging the boss with a whip to stop flogging him. I get the drift of that all right. But how many white folks are likely to be moved by begging and whining? We've all had hard lessons from that copybook. Since you can read yourself, you just trot around the corner to the slave market and read the prices that they pay for us. All right then, since you're such a wise one, tell me why the British have been free and slaves. Same reason the rebels have, because they figure it does some good for them in some way. It's not everybody, only certain ones. Those willing to fight are those they see as rebels' property. And maybe, you being so smart, you can explain just how it is that freedom is some kind of thing that, like bales of cotton or jugs of rum that they give to us or to anyone. You must be aware that the English make big promises to Scots folk and the Irish to fight for them in their wars. You throw a stone out there in the street and you'll hit one of them. 
Ask them what their wages have been. Some have done very well, I'm told. Isn't that the way of it, then? Like that fellow Shakespeare said, some have to watch, and some have to wait. and political for my taste, and others as well, I'm sure. May I suggest that it is time for a spot of luncheon and that we return here an hour hence, hopefully sober, and with our blood cooled? <sighs> Gerald, you unruly boy. Lucy Lou, my one and only. Never, never, never part. 